Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And a very special guest who... A, a local. A local. In our studio. In. Yeah, he's yeah. here. <laughs> Kevin a beautiful Queen. man. He looks yeah. like a lumberjack. Yeah. He's got <laughs> a denim uh, jacket that has like a... Faux lamb. It's not faux. It's, it's the real deal. In her <laughs> sacrifice. Woven yeah. The sacrifice. <laughs> it's my Easter sermon <laughs> illustration no, every single year. How, what God's <laughs> doing in the church. If he has a question, he prays about it. He just lays that out. That's yeah. right. Outside <laughs> his, on his back deck. Oh, if it's man. wet, he yeah. knows what to do. If it's dry, <laughs> he knows what to do. It's a really good, mm. really good thing. So Kevin Queen, he's the lead pastor of... Cross Point Church here in town and burgeoning friendship, growing friendship. Uh, first came across Kevin when he was at 12 Stone Church out in Georgia. And we've referenced, um, actually, we've probably referenced 12 Stone more on the New Churches podcast than probably. we have on the Five Leadership, especially with when you guys planted five in one locations weekend. in one weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. Everyone's like, what? Yeah, I'll show you my scars. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards I talked to, um, what's his name again? That led the initiative. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Yeah, Dan Ryland. Yes, but the, the, no, it was the multi-site, the multi-site guy there. Yeah, Jason Barry? No. No, it's, yeah, the other it's going to come. It's going to, I'm really sorry. sorry. Been, I'm so <laughs> really, sorry. Really sorry, so other guy. Our conversations are so meaningful. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, I feel like a doofus. I shouldn't have brought this up. Anyways, he said, yeah, we wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun telling the story and really as a student learning from it. But we're not yeah. here to talk about 12 Stone. No. Kevin, you moved from Georgia, mm-hmm. right? And you moved to Nashville, what, two years about ago? 18 now? months. Oh, 18 yeah. months. All right. So before we get into the questions, just t- give us, I know it's a long story of how yeah. that all came across and it's a God story when you were sharing that with me. But give us a little bit of a, of a, of a quick synopsis yeah, before we get into our sketch. questions. Yeah. Um, I've been at 12 Stone for 14 years. I was student pastor there for four years, campus pastor for 10 years, helped start the first campus. And so in that same spot and thought I would be in uh, Gwinnett County, I was there for 40 years and thought I'd be there for another 40. And then um, and then the beginning of 2017, January that year, um, I had a little closet down in my basement where I would go and pray. And um, it seemed like every time I go down there, it was just like, um, I was, pr- I had prayed for cross point, the cross point would find a pastor because my sister-in-law oh, lived in East yes, Nashville. That's right. And, uh, but when I would go down there and pray, I just felt like I was saying, I want you to be the pastor. I didn't know anybody at cross point. I know, but I just this burning in my gut that mm. that was something he was calling me to do. And I didn't tell anybody, I didn't tell anybody for, um, for a couple months, I just began to journal about it and I'd write about it in my Evernote and say, God, I don't think I have what it takes, but if you think I have what it takes, you haven't come get me. And I wrote, I'm not going to knock on that door. Um, you have to send me here and knock on mine. Mm. And, uh, and then there was a clip that kind of went viral from a uh, teaching and I, it was crazy. Nothing like that ever happened. It was on Facebook. And, uh, and I just pray, God, if you want to, you can have them see that clip and, uh, and reach out to me. And uh, two days later, I get a text from a friend of mine that had a friend that was on the search team. Yeah. Said they want to talk with you about lead pastor position. And uh, come to find out, they had seen that clip that weekend. Oh, so wow. it was wild to keep that Evernote journal and right. see a record of the prayers, kind of that history with God. 
and then to see these things kind of come together. And, uh, and there were so many other, just a swirl of supernatural activity. And I think God did all those things because he knew what it would take uh, f- mm. for us to move our family, move up here. And uh, and it was it was difficult because 12 Stone was a great, you know, there were some great opportunities there. Um, but, but we just, we knew um, that yeah. this was what... God and cost to yeah, do. So. Yeah. Miles Walsh. Yeah, Miles, yes. <laughs> Miles, the pastor of Leadership Expansion. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Miles, Miles Walsh. Yeah. I love you, Miles, yes. if you're listening. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> so back, back to Kevin. Miles, back to I shirt. would not have forgotten your name. I just want to go ahead and put that out there. Miles so the is next a time yeah. You're around. Let's hang out. Yes. Okay, so I'll Kevin. I'll take you to some place in Nashville where we'll get overpriced coffee served to you with a scowl. <laughs> okay, so how did you deal with simultaneously the the feeling of inadequacy yeah the feeling of man look at what cross point just went through mm-hmm. and then also that feeling of expectation because you were seeing god move right in your right. in your prayer life in not not visible ways but i mean in those invisible ways how do you deal with those mix of emotions and the fact that your whole family was there and yeah, yeah right yeah. yeah i i don't know that i understood the weight of it until a year after mm. um I, I think i realized i'm very like optimistic positive person but i think i got to uh, i got to vacation after that first year and i was like i think i've been holding my breath for an entire year wow you know, like, man, because I had to be positive for the family, had to be positive for the church, had to mm. be po- positive for uh, for everyone, mm. and and not going, man. There's, there's just this has been really, it's been challenging. But I say that, but I think it was in the midst of it. It was through because we had seen God, God move in such a significant way. I knew that that was the place on the planet where my feet were supposed to be, mm. and so there's great security. Um, that comes against insecurity. Mm. You know, there's great security in knowing I'm called. This is not like, this is not a tryout. Mm. I'm not auditioning every weekend. Um, I'm not trying to earn their their approval or, but I'm doing the thing that God's called me to do. So I think from one of the gifts was coming through that season and really wrestling it down in prayer and knowing um, that knowledge um, maybe caused less intimidation by man. And then I would say kind of the intimacy with God, like that that season um, produced, um, gave me confidence in the in the next. But it was still, I didn't know what I was, I'd never been a lead pastor before in my life. So mm-hmm. I, was, I, I didn't know what it's to great do. great to start. That's, that's right. At this particular kind of juncture, yeah. that was really interesting. Yeah. And there was a that's great, interesting choice. there was a great team, like, I, and part of it, I didn't feel like I had a choice. Right. You know, like, I think that was, that was part of it is I just, I didn't feel like I had a choice. Like it was the thing that I was supposed to do. So even if there were machine guns on top of the building and I'm going in, I've still felt compelled. Like I've yeah. got to go in there. I don't know if I would have right. brought my family, but I've got to go in there to, to yeah. lead. So that, that level of conviction, I think helps with a lot of the, the early, early stages. I've got some great counsel and some great advice from some people um, in the transition. Mm. And then also there was a great team there. So I would say this, the dependency on God, with the church going through a crisis, high dependency on God. Mm. And then you've got our family coming in. Um, we, we didn't have a bag of experience to go to, so there was a high dependency on God. Mm. So the collision of that dependence really was a, a humble place to be. But um, But I think it set up God to do some pretty amazing things in our family and in the church. So I think there's some people that are listening right now that probably, you know, not your exact story, but a similar story on where they felt compelled Mm 
that they had, you know, to go to this church and mm-hmm. do this ministry or, or do this thing. And they haven't yet experienced that turn mm. yet. Mm. What would you say to, to those guys? You know, I think it's in the, it is in the, in the waiting, you know, it's in the, it's in the, it's in the travail. Like it is in that, that gut wrenching waiting that God does a work in us to prepare us for the turn. Mm -hmm. So even in that time where we're just laboring and we're like, I'm just trying not to give up because the Bible says that the harvest (laughs) is coming. Like I'm banging on that, but if, if, it feels like it will never come, um, what God does in that desperation is the language of the kingdom, mm. you know, and it, that desperation puts us in a position. And when we invite other, because we can either be, here's what I think. I think we can put our desperation on people or we can put our desperation on God. Mm. And when we put our desperation on God, then we're freed up to lead people. But I know my tendency, if I don't put it on him first, I, I put, and nobody's attracted to desperate, you know, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, that's and so, so I've got to put that. So, um, so for me, even because we weren't seeing visible signs, it's going to turn, mm. but going, I need a cave. Mm. I need a place that I can hide out and draw that strength before I go and lead out. That, that was an important rhythm for me uh, coming, coming in, definitely. That's so good. Good, good. That's so good. So, Kevin, as we part of our podcast is we ask the same five questions yeah. for all of our guests, and it's it's fun, especially for our listeners who who you know consecutively go through and and listen. There are similar themes here and there, but it's just so cool to to start off with a little bit of a background, yeah. right? A little bit of what's been going on in Kevin Queen's life uh, for the last little bit. If you listen to the Any Downs when we where we interviewed Any Downs, yeah. this is the Kevin. Queen that yeah, she was yeah. talking about. So, Gushing. yeah, <laughs> yes, pretty much, pretty much. All right, so let's start with it. Question one Who are you learning from? Yeah, that's a great question, especially in a transition season um, where it can feel like I'm, I'm learning everywhere. I mean, it is the learning curve is so, so steep, especially when you're in a stretch role, hmm. right? So, I, it takes me back to something that I had a, uh, an overtired chicken farmer that, uh, that told me he was a mentor friend of mine. He said, Kevin, he said, when I graduated college, he told me, he said, you'll be the same person 10 years from now as you are today, mm. except for the places you go, the people you meet and the books that you read. Wow. And I thought it was haunting. Like as a, as a right. college graduate now wow. he's going, you're just going to continue right where you're at unless right. you, so I set out like, man, I want to be like, I want to be a learner. And so I would go with those three, like the places, the the books, and the people. Mm. And uh, and so when you stretch it, when you jump into a stretch role, like in a new place, and I am, I'm, I'm constantly aware of all the things that I don't, I don't know, even in a new city and in that context, learning about the city. I'd say the 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 people that I meet, I'm meeting, you know, thousands of people, mm-hmm. and uh, and just trying to have really good questions. Um, to ask. And sometimes they're the same, you know, same, just like you guys with the same questions, having that set, learn a lot. And then I would say the books. Um, so if I had to go people and books, mm. um, I'd say I'm, I'm going back and I'm reading Ian Bounds, uh, reading his book on prayer. He's just got that, you know, that mm. chunky yeah. book, yeah. right? That's but right. just going back and reading his, and he was instrumental in a revival that took place in Franklin, you know, back in the, back in the 1860s and just going, man, I want to, I mean, and, and our family lives close to that area. Mm. And I'm going, man, I want to, I want to go and uh, dig up old wells, you know, like That's Isaac, awesome. right? You yeah, know, where right. that was all he's known for. He just wow. dug up Abraham's well. So I'm going, how did, what did he do, and what did he believe, and what did he see that led to led to that movement? So I'm reading back through Ian Bounds, and then um, and what just before you go yeah. into the next, what are some of the 
points so far that you've learned? Yeah. So we talked about one something I read recently. He's talking about felt trust. Okay. And so he's talking about that 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 it's okay to ask God for felt trust. And so I thought, man, I've always thought of trust as a mental ascent. Mm, right. But then to trust, get to the heart level, and to pray until you have felt trust. And I thought that's that's good to keep praying until you get to that place mm. at the um, at the gut level where mm. you're like, man, because oftentimes I say, God, I trust you, mm. but I don't sit and, it's and not wait. Visceral, yeah. yeah, until it gets down to the to the gut. So that was mm. that was recent. Um, you know, I, I think what I've taken from Ian Bounds is that is that prayer is the most powerful and effective force on the planet. Mm. Like that that there's not a more powerful force, and that with our prayers that we can that we can move the hand of God. And this is this is a guy who believed it, and he based his life on that truth. And uh, and and so that's the. Ian Bounds' book has just been a has been a gift. And I'll just read a, a chapter every yeah. day, and it's, okay. they're not long chapters, but okay. enough to help. I don't read books on prayer that don't inspire me to pray more. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> like right. right. That's I'm just good. not interested in textbooks on that's prayer. That's a good qualifier. I'm like, I'm like, if it doesn't inspire me to pray, right. then then just then, then drop it. So, uh, Bounds has been great. Um, I say uh, our, I've been working through pretty much R.T. Kendall's library, mm. um, and uh, and. R.T. Kendall has been influential, just talking about that there's this marriage between word and spirit and where the marriage between word and spirit happens. That's where, that's where awakening, that's where revival takes, takes place. And he says, you have word churches and you have spirit churches. So there's been a divorce in the church. And just like with any other divorce, some kids go with the mom and some kids go with the dad. Mm. He said, but when those two streams come together, a love for the word and a, and a sensitivity to the spirit of God, um, when those two things come together, it's it's powerful. Oh, so yeah. So awesome. Kendall and Kendall actually lives. He actually lives in Hendersonville. What? And so yeah, he lives north of town. So <laughs> right. seriously. Yeah. And so he. That so actually, crazy. we got up to go go, go up there and. He uh, should be on the podcast. Yeah, right. He should. Uh, I'm running his news. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so you know, he's Kendall. just. So actually, was able to go and spend some time with him, and we interviewed him for something with the uh, with the church, and he's just been a, just been a sage and just a just a gift, theological giant. So. That's great. And then um, I would say I'm learning strategic leadership from Larry Osborne mm. um, and just stepping into this new role and, yeah. uh, and with multi-site. I mean, he's he's the godfather. He's, yeah. And they call him, what, the Yoda, right? Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, just yeah. such wisdom. And so he's been a, he's been he's a so gift humble. there. So humble. Yeah. yeah. He, he just, he forgets himself real fast yeah. and yeah. just spits wisdom, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then I would say just locally, um, learning from a guy named Dave Clayton mutual friend, mm-hmm. Ethos Church. And, uh, and just, he's a, uh, he's one of those friendship relationships where, um, I'm just inspired and encouraged when I, when I get around him and conversations we have table is, uh, are strong. So that's so that's good. good. That's so good. So before we go into the second question, man, you've been here a year and a half, you said, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit over a year and a half. And it sounds like, I mean, even as you talked about Dave and even when we met together, I mean, Moving, okay, not even just ignoring the fact that you just moved here, the fact of pastors or leaders having people they can be open, honest to, mm-hmm. right? Those accountable to. Yeah. I mean, that's so critically important, yet it's right. underemphasized, right? Right. It's it's so hard for pastors to do. So how did you, what approach, What? how did you come to Nashville? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of heart attitude or approach did you have in coming here to develop relationships because you could have said, "Hey, I have all these relationships and friendships back home right. in Georgia." What? Yeah, yeah. So um, I knew with us coming here, just the, my heartbeat was God that you would bring revival to the city, mm. 
And so we know from history that revival doesn't happen without churches coming together. Yeah. And so I, I called one of my mentor friends, Tom, and I said, Tom, so should I feel bad that um, that going to the cross point that I feel is bigger than cross point? Here's what I mean: mm. the revival in the city, the God moving in the city, like that is bigger than cross point. Cross mm. point is part of it, but it's bigger. And he said, "Well, if it's not bigger than cross point, you shouldn't go." Wow. And so having that kind of uh, focus, realizing real quick that it, for this to take place, it's going to take. Um, some like-minded brothers. And so I started having conversations with pastors. And when you talk about revival, um, some pastors, their their eyes glaze over, and then some pastors, their eyes uh, well up. Yeah. And so I just got to the point where I was like, hey, the guys who their eyes well up with belief that God could do something amazing and mm-hmm. an awakening in the city, then uh, I'm going to make a short list. Mm-hmm. And so those became kind of the relationships where um, where it you build those trusted friends that— uh, that uh, that you can uh, you can you can hang with and yeah. and really in the, I would say it's super important kind of in the in the in the, in the lead pastor position because everybody else on the team you know they're really they're looking they're looking to you so needing and I had an amazing team mm-hmm. amazing management team amazing leadership team but really having those relationships outside so now uh, on a on a weekend where something amazing happens I have an opportunity to I, mean, I pick up the phone I, I text or I call Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our, he'll do the same, and he'll yeah. call, and so I'll call and check in with him. We'll send each other texts um, before we step up to preach. Just encourage one another. It's mm-hmm. just it's been it's been huge. I can't say how much it's been. So thank you for so making good. you actually made that connection. Man, that's and, all uh, connected that up. So, <laughs> thank you for that. I'm not a natural connector, but really? you know sometimes you're you, a supernatural connector. No, you, no, you're, you're talking, and then it's like the spirit. This guy, the spirit, yeah. this guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, the spirit of God just kind of lays someone yeah. on your heart, and you're like, oh, okay, it's been well, a real so. gift. Like, I don't know that I would have been able to make it through the transition without friends like Dave and somebody like him. So thank you. Praise God. That's awesome. I just, I mean, I kind of want to derail us, (laughs) but I'm not going to. I'll go back to our questions. We're on number two, by the way. We are on number two. <laughs> we gotta get the, <laughs> so we may not answer all the questions. No, we, yeah. we probably won't. No. This pay, the pace we're fine. going. Yeah. This, we're good. We're it's good. fine. Um, no, and that is, uh, so what's, I mean, you know, given the, the transition you've already talked about, um, now you're 18 months in, what's your main point of emphasis with your team right now? What's I mean, just the like? most most current, most recent is that we're, we're entering into a uh, 300 churches coming together for 30 days of prayer and fasting. And so trying to teach fasting on the run, right? Trying to communicate what fasting, where as a Mm. church, we've never done a church watch fast. This is new for a lot of, you know, for a lot of people, even some of the staff. So trying to figure out how do we, it's not Moses go up on the mountain, bring the tablets and say, Mm. Hey, this is what we're doing. Just going, I got to, I have to slow down and help. And fasting for me has been something that's private, some personal, something intimate, not something that necessarily I've taken a group of people other than a small group through. Mm. So um, much less 30 days. So a quick, quick story. Um, I had a, uh, I had a friend of mine, John Bland, who was a, who had a uh, group of Amigos for Christ and he was a missionary and we went down and spent some time with him. And the first thing we did there was climb a volcano. And, uh, and so he great takes, I mean, we got a whole school bus full. And so he's wow. telling everybody, we're going to go climb this huge volcano, go climb this volcano. And, uh, and it's, it's like, doesn't sound real uh, safe, but he, I've got my eight year old son. He tells everybody on the bus. He's like, yeah. he's like, we are, um, he's like, I can promise you this. You're not going to be the last person up. And so we get to this volcano and we start moving up and it takes, it takes my son and I the better part of uh, an hour and a half to get mm. up this volcano. It takes this lady in the back that had double knee replacement, takes her three hours, mm. three hours to get up. And, uh, and John was right. 
she wasn't the last one up because he was the last one up. Hmm. And he walked with her the whole time, like encouraging her and helping her get to the, get to the You're top. You're eight-year-old. No, 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 my friend, my oh, friend, friend was the one oh, okay. who helped, okay. helped yeah, John yeah, helped yeah. her up. So he's helping her up. We get to the, we get to the end and I'm like, man, this is like, he walked three and a half hours. I asked one of the locals, I said, how long does it take John to get up? Like without helping. Hmm. He said, man, he said, he said, John, he can get up in 15 minutes. <laughs> and so he went from 15 minutes wow. to three. And that, that, that leadership parent, that the, right. that just because you're the first one up the mountain doesn't mean you're the leader. Hmm. Right. It means you're a racer, right? I mean, right. right. That's a race, right? Right. But, but being able to slow down, especially when we talk about spiritual disciplines like fasting, hmm. being able to slow down for the last one in the group and help them access, understand believe and right. step into that as well. So that's, that's been kind of something that's been the main focus right now, because I realized that we're only as strong as everybody grabbing hold of this. Uh, that's so good. That's so good. So, so when you look at your, your life right now and, and the way that you lead, what are two or three things that you, that you find that you must absolutely have to do daily? Yeah. I, I'm a little OCD with the morning rhythm. Mm. So like, I'll just kind of blaze through the morning rhythm. And if you want to, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not real exciting. It's just my routine. <laughs> and uh, I'm married, um, just like the most disciplined and the most driven and the most beautiful, like all those things, mm. um, woman. And so she really inspires me. And I think over time I've actually like mm. got a little bit of discipline, you know, in it. So <laughs> I wake up in the morning, we wake up at the first time, try to beat her to the Keurig, you know, yeah. and, and if I can make her cup of coffee on the Keurig, not because I'm like a hero, but because I want the first cup of coffee yeah. right, with Keurig, you get one, just like you gave, you yeah. gave me the first cup of coffee with Keurig. Yes. We all waited. Yeah. And so that for me, if I can do that, that's kind of accountability, not hit snooze, you know, cause mm. like, but, um, but that's cool. get in the morning and when we've got four kids, so we got to get up like super early and she has her time with God. I have my time with God. And in that time, I kind of do the same thing every time. Mm. Start out with um, start out with a prayer, and then I'll make a list of ten things that I'm grateful for from the day before. Then I'll do like a game film where mm-hmm. I'll go back through and think back through the day before, and like, man, is there anybody that I've just any relationship I just messed up, or like, mm-hmm. is there anything that I? So I'm looking for things that I need to clean up today that I did yesterday. <laughs> so it's not real. But I'm just asking God, search yeah. my heart, bring to mind anything. So that's good. That's that's kind of the game film piece, and then I'll move. In. I have like ten declarative statements that I that I go through and I say everything just to remind myself. Cause I mean, in the fog of war, like you can forget who you are real fast. Mm. And so I just go back through those, those 10 statements. And then, um, and then I do like the one year Bible. So I've, I kind of have a plan cause, um, that, that helps me. I'm not inclined to have a plan, but it helps me to have that. Mm. And so I'll read through that. And then I'll read a chapter in a book in a spiritual reading book. And then I'll read a chapter. Um, if I have time in the, uh, in the, like a leadership, leadership okay. book as well. So and how then, long does that take? Um, about two hours. Okay. So it'll be, but I consider all that prayer. Mm. So I, I consider prayer keeping company with God. Mm. So if I'm mindful Ooh, like of that. his presence, so it's not keeping like this is prayer and then this is Bible reading. It's like, it's, it's, I've got the space and it's yeah. just conversational it's the whole way through. Phone. Right. So I'm speaking about this right <laughs> now, the whole way through. So even if I'm reading a leadership book, I'm asking God, God would you speak to me? Even if I'm reading, mm. reading a spiritual book, I'm just asking God, would you continue speaking? So then I just journal down the things that, seem to have significance for the day and, mm-hmm. uh, and put them on there. And so Evernote's really become a tool. And I say I'm a little bit OCD. Like after that, I'll go work out. And that if I can do all of that before my workout, mm-hmm. uh, if I don't do those things, I feel like Samson with a haircut, man. I'm like, I mean, that's, yeah. it's just so much a part of life now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's legalism. I think it's just like, man, th- I know this is, this is the way I'm, I'm, 
I care for my soul. Yeah. And, um, and I know if I've cared for my soul, then I actually have a, a hope or a chance to, to lead. So that's so good. That's so good. So do you go to bed pretty early then? I'm like an old man. Yeah. I do, man. <laughs> there are boring nights. Because you got to get up pretty us. early. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we go We go to bed usually around 9.30 okay, and, yeah. uh, and get up like around 4, 4.15. So yeah. Yeah. it depends on the space. There you go, man. That's, that's legit. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I'm an old man, so... I'm not I'm not far behind you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... What what does leadership in your home look like? Mm. I mean, you've talked about your wife. Talked about you have four kids. What does what does leadership in your home look like? Yeah, f- man. Um, I I think the first one for me is like, man, am I present? Like this just means am I home? Mm. <laughs> That's like rule number one. <laughs> right. And so for 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 us, we had to say, okay, this is how many nights of this is how many nights a week I need to be home. And, right. um, and so I think by making that decision and making kind of the ideal week or the ideal calendar and then just, then just filling around those. So, so the first thing is just be present. Then the mm. second qualifier would be, am I fully present? Mm. Man, I, yeah, that's this right. is, I'm horrible with text messages once I'm home because I'm yeah. sorry, I want to be horrible with text messages when I'm at home because it's what pulls me out of that moment. Right. And, uh, and I see my kids on, on their phones and I'm like, man, I don't know that I've modeled really well, mm, like how right. to live with that tethered piece of technology, you know, in your hand. Yeah. And so, so part of what I'm seeing in them, what I'm going, can you just put that down? And I'm going, man, have I set a good example for them since they've been little kids? You know, I'm like, man, how I so how I handled Twitter, yeah. right? Five years ago, maybe I'm seeing the fruit on the tree of of that. So wow. rather than be upset with them, I have to go. Did I contribute? You know, mm, did I yeah. teach them? You know, the way they're treating Snapchat was that the way I was treat, treating Twitter when they were five and six? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. So there's, I'm I'm present. Am I fully present? And um and and so I try to put the computer away. Like once I get home, try to, I try to finish phone calls before I go into the house and mm. sometimes circle the neighborhood, you know, like fully present. I'm yeah. really working, like really trying to work on Cause I don't want my kids. The first thing they see me when I get out of the car is man, I got the phone on my ear. Yeah. That's um, true. And so I'm trying to, trying to be fully present for them. And then I, I would just say that, you know, uh, Loving and honoring and serving their their mom, serving my wife, mm-hmm. like I, I I really do. I think that's the best gift I give to them. And uh, and so we have a date day. Um, man, if I can just if I can protect that on the calendar, and the kids are all in school now, so that's like my favorite day of the week. Because if I can just get to Friday, like I am emotionally connected to that to that day. Right. And we're in a new city. We love trying new restaurants and love spending uh, spend that time together. But but really protecting that time, it really is, it's a, it's not just a gift for my marriage, it's a gift for, for the kids as well. Um, and I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know how much of what I'm experiencing this season. There was a moment where I was asking, God, I need a vision for my life. Like I just didn't know I was a campus pastor. I was a great church, but I was like, what, what's long-term, like what's the dream? And, uh, and I had this, this thought I was out on a run and just, it was an audible voice, but it was just an impression. So I want you to be a grandfather and a pastor. Hmm. And like for me, what that meant was that I was going to be in ministry until I was a grandfather, yeah, <laughs> right? And to be in ministry until I was a grandfather would mean that I um, that I stay married, <laughs> right? <laughs> stay yeah. in ministry, stay married, right? Yeah. And so, and and also within that was that you know what I'm going to have a I'm going to I'm going to raise I want to raise the kind of kids that become adults that I want to be friends with, right? 
mm. like develop that kind of, that man, I want to hang right. out and they want to hang out with me. And so all of those things in that one, isn't it amazing? Like God will give you that one sentence and it just unpacks for you and like, man, I, yeah, I can give my life for that. Like that's, yeah. so that really became vision. And I think that began to change some things in me. I mean, the picture of being on a front porch of a cabin with my wife and us not having teeth, you're really long down the road, right? But, but right, like yeah. that, that vision became like compelling for me. Like, yeah, I want to make it to that. Mm. And especially like in the context of the ministry world that we live in today, where we just know like it's not, it's not guaranteed. You have to fight for it and you right. have to, and we're all vulnerable. Yeah. You know, none of us can throw stones. We're all vulnerable. We all have to fight for that, but it's worth it. Mm. You know, so worth it. So. Oh man, this is know. really good. <laughs> You're just like, I'm just soaking it all in. Well, here's the thing, because so good. You see stuff when you talk. And by mm. that I don't mean you're like seeing visions like Julian of Norwich or something. I just mean like when you're talking You don't want to use a biblical example, Todd? <laughs> I'm just saying like I can see him looking like as yeah. he's talking about it in his mind's eye he's actually seeing yes, what he's talking yeah, about completely. and that's a beautiful thing yeah, it is because you're not looking up and to the left trying to think of something intelligent to say mm. you're you that's legit yeah you're we could tell it's, so, there's being that's yeah. coming before the doing mm. which I think comes out of Oh, it's it's your time with God, so right? and that that yeah. kind of exudes yeah. out of you. So wherever you want, I'm in. By the way, so I'm local. Whatever you need from me, whatever you want yeah. from me, yeah. I'm in. Need to book some space in Lifeway for pastors to join and create yeah. revival. I'm gonna scoot over a little bit need, closer. Need yeah, somebody to, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, um, you want to ask? Yes, the last I'll ask the last yeah. question. Okay, so. Kevin, you so you said you're how long at Twelve Stone? 14, 14 years. Fourteen years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where where were you before? I was at Hebron, Hebron Baptist Church in in Decula, Georgia. Okay, and, uh, which is uh, that's where I grew up, and so okay. I was on staff there as a high school pastor. Okay, you know? okay, yeah. So when you think about yourself as a twenty year old, yeah, right. So ho- hopefully this will help all the other twenty year olds <laughs> out there. But just thinking about Kevin Queen as a twenty year old, what would you tell yourself about preparing to lead? Well, the beauty of listening to your podcast is I knew the five questions you were going to ask, right? <laughs> so I knew this was yeah. coming. And so I, um, I, I made a, I made a list. Mm. And so you're all right if I just, yeah, um, I just jotted down a list. Um, the first thing I says, I wrote was, man, prayer is the most powerful and effective force on the planet. Mm. I wish I would have understood, understood the power of prayer as a 20 year old. Mm. I wonder how many times I did Ishmael. Hmm. rather than wait in prayer for Isaac. Hmm. Ishmael being the thing I could make in my own strength Hmm. rather than praying and waiting on God. Hmm. I wonder how many doors I pried open Hmm. rather than waiting and praying them them open. Hmm. And I think ambition is a good thing, Hmm. but, um, but I think I just... Sometimes it was just not knowing the power, the really the power of prayer, and asking God to bless the thing I just did, I just prepared, rather than inviting Him in from the onset. So, like what we say is that prayer is not the only thing we do; it's just the first thing we do. Yeah. And in trying to, uh, man, if I could go back and grab myself by the collar, I'd mm. say learn to pray, mm. and that ask God, ask and just like this, I ask Jesus, teach me how to pray, and uh, because it there's no such thing as a as a wasted prayer. There's no such thing as wasted time with God. So that would be the first thing. Second would be keep a journal. 
Keep a journal of your prayers and keep a journal of what God does because it will be your history with God, his faithfulness that will bolster your faith in the lowest moments that you can go back and read and that your kids can, I mean, really you're, you're handing off your, your history with God. So even with technology, it's your best sermon illustrations. You can go back in Evernote and search by a word and you can find a story or you can find uh, a moment. Um, mm. I say, don't, don't worry about doing great things for God. Just do things and let God be the great one. Mm. That was probably the most important lesson I learned at a re- in a really painful way. But when I said that I wanted to be do great things for God, it was I want to be famous and well-known and yeah. bring God along for the ride. And then when I was in my late 20s, there was I had a difficult moment where God's just kind of in his kindness kept, why don't you just do things? Mm. Let me be the great one. Say so humility is the chief virtue. Um, there is no limit to what God can do if we humble ourselves and we give him the glory and give others the credit and then uh, say, don't worry what your boss is thinking about you. Mm-hmm. I think I spent way too much time worrying about what my boss thought of me. When I don't think it's a bad thing to pray for favor. I mean, God gave Joseph favor, mm-hmm. right? But um, if your boss is thinking about you, it's usually not a good thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if your boss is thinking about you, it's usually taking um, <laughs> taking attention from something else that he needs to be thinking about. Yeah. So it's actually a good thing if your boss doesn't think of you. Hmm. But it's okay to pray for favor and yeah. to and to work hard. And uh, and then um, I'd say, uh, don't worry about promoting yourself. Hmm. God knows where you are. And he'll get you where he wants you when he wants you there. He is sovereign over the seats. Jesus said the Father. The Father takes care of the right and the left. The Father's going to take care of the seats. And uh, I, there was a quote by R.T. Kendall. I think he's quoting D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he said, um, he said, the worst thing, the absolute worst thing that can happen to a man is that he can succeed before he's ready. Wow. And if you'll wait on God to promote you, you don't have to work because God won't promote you beyond your capacity. Hmm. Man will, and we can promote ourselves. Hmm. But God won't, and so it's uh, it's worth waiting because He knows where you are. Shall we end in prayer? <laughs> I, 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 my goodness, I might be. I mean, I'm still processing uh, how many doors I've pried open versus I've prayed oh, open. That was convicting. That was extremely convicting for me. So yeah, especially before you came in here, we were talking about Enneagram, how Todd's an eight and I'm a three, and like together we're I like. <laughs> we both brought our no. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and and my wife is a three as well. So just, and I think oh. there's a time to take the hill. Mm. When when God says charge, mm. there's a time to take the hill. And um and I think we uh when we get the march marching orders, I think uh, man, I wanna I wanna take the hill with you guys, you know. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. Thank you for letting me hang out with you all day. That's good. good. That's good. Well, thanks again for being on the five leadership questions podcast. The five leadership questions podcast is a part of the Lifeway leadership podcast network and making disciples is another one of our podcasts. Robbie Gallaty. He's a pastor here in town with Chris Swain co-hosts this one. And if you haven't yet listened to them, make sure to do so because they talk about how to develop a discipleship pathway, discipling your family, how to sustain discipleship long-term. So just look up making disciples on your favorite podcasting app and we will catch you guys next time.